family, you're finding with me the book of Luke this morning, chapter 19. We'll begin to read in verse number 9. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, the parable before the palms. The parable before the palms. Luke chapter 19. And we'll begin to read in verse number 9 this morning. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Luke chapter 19, begin to read in verse number 9. The Bible says these words, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good and well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting that which I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But he said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has, to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us, speak to us today. God, open hearts and minds. God, that we might receive your truth. God, I pray that your desired will will be accomplished today. Father, specifically now, we pray for those who've never received you to be Lord of their life. Holy Spirit, we pray you'll convict them of their lostness, their need for you. And God, I pray they'll choose today to turn from sin in repentance and by faith to receive Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray you'll challenge your church today with the truth, God, that one day, you're going to take inventory. You're going to audit our lives at the judgment seat of Christ to see what we've done with what you've entrusted us, and that's the gospel. God, I pray that if we've not been sowing, God, if we've been wasting our lives, we've not been investing the gospel, God, today will be a, a new beginning. We'll repent of unfaithfulness. 
And today will be a beginning of a new life of obedience to live on mission and do what you've called us to do in these days. Bless this time. Call us into your will. Pray you'll be honored and glorified through our obedience today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Well, next, next Sunday is uh, Palm Sunday. And as the Lord leads and wills, uh, Brother Ray Walker will be preaching for us um, next Sunday morning on Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is always a, uh, a great opportunity uh, to, to challenge the church concerning lordship and to look back and to see historically what happened, but also to see spiritually what happened. But prior to that Palm Sunday account uh, that we see in verses 28 through 40, uh, as Luke records it in Luke chapter 19, uh, the Lord shared one more parable before the palms. He shared one more truth with his people to get them refocused as to what ministry and what his kingdom was really all about. So I want you to notice three things that Jesus shares in this passage of Scripture uh, that really is it's the last parable before the palms. First off this morning, I want you to notice his mission reviewed. His mission reviewed. The Bible says in verse number 11, look at your text, won't you? Now as they heard these things, well, what is it, what is it that they've heard? Well, verses 1 through 10, again, are that famous meeting. I would say if there are two stories, that uh, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, every child would say, you know, the most famous stories in children's Bible study, uh, one would certainly be Jonah and the belly of the great fish from the Old Testament, but the second would be Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree uh, for Jesus he wanted to see. And I'm going to continue the rest of my sermon rhyming uh, today. I'm just kidding. I'm really not. But that's a famous story. We all know about little Zacchaeus. He was a sinner. He was lost in his sin. He was a tax collector. Remember, tax collectors didn't have uh, a set, uh, a set uh, amount of money from the government uh, that they would be paid. They made money by taking over. Uh, and so that's how they made a living. And oftentimes, tax collectors in ancient times were very crooked in what they did, and they were hated people. But God was dealing with him. And friend, I want to remind you, Jesus came even to find Zacchaeus. He came even to find you. And so it's, it's one last picture before he approaches into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to remind the people again what it was that he came to do. The Bible says again that, that after they had heard these things, well, they still didn't really understand it, even with the illustration of what had happened with Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 18, I rarely ask you to do this, but if you want to turn back one page, since it's just one page, Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34, listen to what Jesus said now. He has the disciples together, and, you know, probably along the way, if it's like most groups of people, someone's like, what are we doing here? You know, what's happening tomorrow? What are, what are we going to Jerusalem for? What do you mean I've got to go find a cult? that no one's ever stood on I me. Mean, what are we even back here for? You know the Pharisees hate Jesus. What are we doing here? Well, look what verse 31 says. And then he took the 12 aside and said to them, now he's got his disciples. He's, he's trying to share with them a truth. He says, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Because that was Jesus. It says, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon, they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Friend, listen, that's the gospel before it ever happened. And Jesus told them this 
But there's a disconnect somewhere. Look at verse number 34. It says, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. They, were, they did not know the things which were spoken to them. Why? Because they were spiritually blind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, the, the natural man, the, the, the person who's only been physically born, they don't understand the things of God. I'm paraphrasing here. Because it takes a spiritual birth to be able to understand spiritual things. And they, the day of Pentecost had not fully come. Their eyes were still blinded. They could only understand what Jesus was allowing them, really, to understand. And so this, these things were still hidden from him. And so now he, he's given them an object lesson. He goes to meet Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a picture of all mankind, uh, verses 1 through 10. And he, he says, look, I, I've come to, to, to save this man. He says in verse number 9, after he, he calls Zacchaeus and says, let me come into your house, which is a picture of his heart. And the Bible says, Zacchaeus in verse number 6 made haste. He came down. He received Christ joyfully, not begrudgingly. He wanted Jesus to come into his home, and he really wanted him to come into his life. And after he met Christ, friend, he, he repented. We, we see him turning from sin. He restores all that he's ever done. He turns from his sin. And Jesus says in verse number 9, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. And so j just prior to all of this misfocused celebration, and don't miss that, that Jesus deserves, deserved and deserves still all of the praise. And even if those who the Pharisees were saying, tell them to keep silent, they're, they're making too much racket, Jesus said, even the stones would cry out to his glory. Jesus would be praised. But all of the praise was misguided. You see, they really didn't want Christ to be Lord of their lives. They only wanted him to be Lord of their town. And so just prior to the palms, Jesus makes a, 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 very, a very formal statement again. In verse number 10, and he reminds them, he, he reminds them of his mission. It's his mission reviewed. Look at verse number 10. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, friend, I want to say again in the face of more churches because of more seminary students getting pumped out of Calvinist institutions and going to churches who sadly don't know any better and churches turning Calvinistic again, which teaches that Jesus only died for a handful of predestined people. I want to remind you here again, friend, out of his own mouth, he says he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's uh, Christ came for all people. Not just a handful of people that he predestined to be saved, but he came that all people might be saved, and then they've got a choice whether they'll repent and turn and receive Jesus into their heart. And so this, this is his, his mission reviewed again because he's about to go into a town where they don't, they don't care about the souls of men. After he gets there, friend, he's going to turn the tables upside down in the temple because the court of the Gentiles had been turned into a money-making operation rather than what it was supposed to be, and it was a place to do evangelism. It was to take all the people who were outside of the covenant of God, the nation of Israel, and to share with them about the one true God. And so they weren't living on mission, and Christ tries to refocus them as to why he really came. And it's good for us just prior to Easter again. Listen, friend, listen, I don't have a problem with the rabbit, and I don't have a problem with the ham, and I don't have a problem with all the pretty dresses and men, the new pastel shirt. But I want to tell you, that is not what Easter is about. 
Easter is when we celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and praise His holy name on the third and appointed day when gloriously He walked out triumphantly from an empty tomb. That's what Easter is about. And it's not, friend, that it's just something that's tied to our faith. It is what is central in our faith. But we've got to remember, friend, why He really came, and that's to save a wicked person like me and like you. That's His mission reviewed. And we need to be reminded of that. And that is, don't, don't miss this this morning, that's the mission that Jesus came to accomplish in a body of flesh and blood. He says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And it's the same mission He seeks to do through His spiritual body, and that's the local church. And so, so many things get tied to church. So many things, people get their nose out of joint, turned sideways, maybe because they're not happening in the local church. Food and fun and fellowship and all these other things. Friend, I want to remind you, those are just things that have been attached to the church. The main ministry of the church is to seek the lost and present the gospel to them so that they might repent and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life, just like Zacchaeus did and just like you did if you've been born again by the grace of Almighty God. That's his mission. And so just prior to the palms, he shares that again, his mission reviewed. Secondly, I want you to notice his mandate revealed. So now Jesus begins to present to them a parable. Look at verse number 11 again of Luke 19. He says, now as they heard these things, what did they hear? It was verse number 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, that's why I'm here. Not to be your mayor. Not to displace Rome. He, he, he was trying to get them recentered in that again. And so now he begins to speak, the Bible says, another parable because he was new, near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They, they were misguided. They, they had lost their focus. They'd forgotten why really Messiah had come and was going to come. And so if Jesus wasn't going to fit into their, their mold, then they were going to look for another. And so he was sharing with them, secondly, his mandate for the church. And remember that parables are earthly stories that had heavenly truth. It was something that they could identify with. And I'm not going to dive deep into this, but this was something that they could identify with. Because after Rome had taken over, Jerusalem was going to be seized by a friend of of one of the, uh, the leaders in Rome. And he was going to redeem and take Jerusalem for himself, but several of the Jews got together and went and said, look, we don't want this guy to be over us. And so this was a story that kind of related to an actual event that they really understood. And so Jesus begins to speak an earthly story, but it has deep heavenly truths. Listen, listen to what happened in verse number 12. The Bible says, Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Verse 13 says, And so he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas. Now listen, that's not what you crappie fish with. All right? It's not, so I'm going to get me a bucket of minas. That's not, that's not what that is. This, this was the equivalent of about three months' salary. And so he's giving them a sum of money. Now look at your Bibles and look what it says. It says he, he gives them these ten minas, and he says to them, do business till I come. Listen, that's the mandate. That's what the king said to his servants. Here's, here's a sum of money. 
I have a kingdom to go claim to myself. It's already mine, and I'm going to claim it. He says, but I'm giving you a sum of money, and you're to do business till I come with the money that I've left. Friend, listen, it, it wasn't optional. They couldn't opt out of it. They couldn't claim ignorance. They were responsible because it was mandated from the king. Now, listen to what the Bible says in verse number 14, what happened. But the Bible says as he goes to this one kingdom, here's a side story that we'll also look at in, at, at the conclusion of our message. It says, but, this, but his citizens of this kingdom he was going to receive, they hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we'll, we'll not have you to reign over us. And so it was, I like this, listen. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, See, it really didn't matter to him, ultimately, whether they hated him or received him. He was still king, and the kingdom was still his. And so the Bible says, after having received the kingdom, now he commanded his servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful and very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. I invested it. Likewise, he said to him, you will, also, you will be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I've put away in a handkerchief. Well, let's break down all of this that happens. So he goes to receive the kingdom. He receives it, and he returns. And so he calls just three of the ten that we see here in our text and says, it's report time. And so as we've already read, here comes servant number one. And he said, I took the mina that you gave me, the sum of money. He said, and I, I invested it. He said, and I've made ten minas in interest. And so he gave that ten to the master. And so the master says in verse number 17, hey, well done. Well, why does he say, well done? Because of faithfulness. He said the servant was faithful to follow the mandate. The king said you're to take the money, you're to do business with it in my absence, and when I return, I want to see what you've been able to make with it. And servant number one says, hey, here's ten. And so he says to him, well done. It was because, now listen, it wasn't because of the amount. It was because of faithfulness. Okay, so the, here comes the second one. Look at your Bibles, verse number 18. So the second man came, and he says, hey, here's five minas. I took, you, I took the mina that you gave me, I invested it, and I've made five minas. So here, here it is. And so he says to him, verse, verse number 19, likewise, that is in same manner, just as he had said in verse number 17, well done, good servant, because you were faithful. So likewise, he said to him, you're going to be over five cities. He tells the first one, you made ten minas, you get to be in charge of ten cities. Number two, you made five, you get to be over five cities. So we see here something happening. Faithfulness brings about a reward. That's what the king says here. He says, here's the mandate. You went and did business. You made something with interest, and now here's a reward that directly corresponds to what you, you made, the amount of faithfulness. But then here we come to poor old number three, the third servant, verse number 20. The Bible says he, just, he kept it. He took it, and he put it under a, a handkerchief. It just kind of sat, maybe, maybe put it in a special place in the house. 
Maybe, maybe it was a big folding wooden thing that he had received from his grandmother. And he, he laid it in the center of the house and, and put it on a special little handkerchief and under it uh, that she had knit by fire. And every day he'd look at it and say, yep, that's my Mina. That's my Mina. And I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I've got the Mina. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a servant of the Mina. That's what I am. He would just sit there and just he would just he would he would treasure it and be so proud and tell everybody you know he probably even put on the back of his car you know that he he had a little picture of a, a big mean a little mean and a little tiny meanness behind it just let everybody know that he was associated with the meanness he was all about it but listen that's not what the king had said the king didn't say receive it. And let it only bless you. He says, you're to take it and you're to invest it. He says, you're to do business with the money that I left you. And so, friend, it doesn't matter what the excuse is. The, the result is this. He disobeyed the king. The king gave a mandate. You're to take this sum of money and you're to do business with it. Not to admire it. Not to look at it. Not just to find comfort that you've got it inside your house. You're, you're to put it to work so that it benefits other. Verse number 13, you're to do business. And so the king asked him after all these things, he says, why, why did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected with interest? He listens to all the excuses. You know, you're, you're, you're a serious man. You know, when you receive interest off of that which you didn't, you didn't, you know, put money to work in, you, you receive, you know, you, you, you reap off of that which you didn't sow. But none of those, those things matter. He said, why then did you not put my money in it? Why, why didn't you do what I said to do? Because now he stands here, don't miss this, empty-handed before the king. Much had been given, but now he's, he's empty-handed. Now remember... Look back again in verse number 11. The Bible says that he, this is Jesus, spoke another parable. A parable is an earthly story, but there's heavenly truths. So that means each part of this parable has a meaning. It has, it has a representation. Well, the nobleman, the king that's going to collect the kingdom, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's him. The servants, that's the church. If you've been saved, say amen. amen. That's you. That's you. You're the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The minas, this, this amount, this gift, it's the gospel. It's the word of God. That's, that's what had been entrusted. That's what had been entrusted to the servants while the king went away to receive the kingdom unto himself. The mandate to do business, listen to me, that's the great commission. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you, you will be my witnesses. Starting at Jerusalem, moving out in Judea, go to the north, those people whose guts you hate in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. Because I died that all people might be saved. That's the mission of the church. That was the mandate. And so verse number 13, Jesus is telling the church, listen, but before the palms... He reminds them again, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why verse chapter 18 says, that's why I'm going to die on the cross. Why? Romans 6, 23. Because of the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. It's for the tree in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat out. For the day thou eatest thou of, Genesis 3 says, you shall surely die. 
The penalty for sin is death. And Jesus Christ was our sin substitute upon the cross. That's why he was going to Jerusalem, walking past the palms, walking past all the empty words, all the accolades. He said, I didn't come to be your mayor. I came to be the king of your heart. He was reminding them of this. He says, I'm calling you the church to invest the gospel, the good news, that though a man be dead in his sin, Jesus says, yet if he'll believe in me, I'll give him life. John 10, 10, life and life more abundantly. That's that's the gospel that Christ has entrusted us. But friend, don't, don't miss this. The review of what they had done with the Minas is the review that will take place one day for the church at the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to happen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand. If, if, if you said amen a minute ago that you've been saved, I want you to listen to me. As sure as my name's Chad Chandler and yours is what it is, you'll stand before Christ one day. And just like in this parable, these men gave an account for what they did with the meanness, you'll give an account for what you did with the gospel. There'll be no excuse. And if you've hid it away in a napkin in your home, you've sat on it, you've been more consumed by the things of this world, and you've squandered and wasted the life that God gave you, friend, that He gave you to live on mission, you'll stand there empty-handed. Many will stand there, though, and they'll have something to offer. They'll have something to offer. It's... It's, it's the review. It's, it's at the judgment seat of Christ. But I want you to also notice the reward. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus was, was always trying to correct the people, get, get their minds focused. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Now listen, you need, you need to have a savings account. You, you need to have retirement so that you can financially take care of yourself to be able to buy food, have clothing, have a place to live, have a car to travel back and forth in, so that you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ the rest of your days. Not run around with your tongue hanging out like a horse trying to run for water, just lathered up, trying to check things off your bucket list. That Friend, listen, God did not give you life for a bucket list. He gave you life that you might invest the gospel in the lives of others. Well, it gets quiet on those, doesn't it? Huh? That's why he gives us life. The Bible says, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. What's Jesus teaching? That service here on earth lays up treasure in heaven. He says, there's a reward. He says, there neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? It means, friend, whatever your idol is, that's what you're going to follow after. And if Jesus Christ, friend, is that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, listen, the things of this world won't consume you. They'll just be accent. But your main focus is on Jesus Christ and loving your neighbor as yourself. And friend, I'm telling you, there's nothing greater you can do for your neighbor than to tell them that Christ died for their soul and they too can be saved by his grace. 
It's the greatest thing you can do for anybody. And so Jesus teaches, friend, that there's going to be a reward. Now, don't miss this. The one individual, he received ten cities because of the ten minas that he had in interest. So he was faithful. He served. But apparently, the guy that received five cities, he was only half as faithful because he only had five minas. Now you say, well, wait a second. Do the minas equal souls? No, they don't. They equal, friend, faithfulness. Now, follow me on this. Write this verse down. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 11. Where through Isaiah, the Lord says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. Now, I want to share with you the truth. At the judgment seat of Christ, let's just say that the ten and five equals souls, okay? Well, the guy that had ten may not have ever won one single person to the gospel. But it might be that he shared the gospel ten times. Ten times he tried to invest the gospel in someone's life. You say, well, the, the word of God didn't prosper anything. Oh, but it did, friend. The Word of God will either lead someone to life because faith cometh by hearing or hearing by the Word of God or that same Word, friend, will judge them at the great white throne. God's Word will not ever return void. It will lead to life or it will lead to damnation because they won't receive it. And so, friend, listen, it's really not about... The goal is to lead as many people as we can to Christ, but you can't make someone choose. All you can do, friend, is sow the seed and cast the net. You leave the, you leave the harvest to the Lord of the harvest. The person has to choose. What we see here is one invested ten times, and the master rewarded him with ten cities. Here's another that only invested five times, and so he rewards him with five cities. What we see here, Jesus is teaching this, friend, reward in heaven will be directly proportional to your faithfulness on this earth, to the, your faithfulness to the Great Commission. That is, in the local church and outside. I want you to listen to me. If you've never discovered your spiritual gift, you're being unfaithful to the Great Commission. How so? Because you can't be a part of what God's called you to do as a body part here at this church to help build up the church so that they can discover their spiritual gift, be more spiritually formed, so that they outside the church can live on mission. And if you're not seeing your life wherever your house is, friend, that's your mission field. Wherever you are. You know, we pray for our missionaries. We know what? Pray for each other. Say, Lord, bless our missionaries. Hey, listen, I'm a missionary, you're a missionary. You may be a faithful missionary, you may be an unfaithful missionary, but I promise you this, friend, when you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, you became a missionary. You're going to stand one day at the judgment seat of Christ, and you're going to give an account just like I am as to whether you've been faithful to the mandate. Don't miss this. We love the palms. And listen, it's going to be little kids are going to swing the palms and say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we're going to smile and be tickled to death at all of that. And Brother Ray's going to bring the message that God lays on his heart, whatever it is. And then the next week, should the Lord live, we're going to have some great music to share with you about Easter. And, you know, and everybody's going to be taking pictures in front of the lilies. And we're going to go home and eat ham and all these things and chase each other around the yard and look for eggs. All these, all these different things. All these things that are tied to it. You know, great. But friend, at the end of the day, 
That's not what it's about. Jesus is reminding us through a parable, just like he was trying to prepare his people, that he didn't come to be the king of someone's community. He came to be king of hearts, and the mandate that he's given us is to go and share that message. You're either faithful in that today or you're unfaithful. The Bible says, friend, there's, there's, going, to be an op- there's going to be a time where God's going to, he's going to judge that. He's going to look. He's going to see who, who lived and who didn't. Who, who stood and who didn't stand. Who was faithful and who wasn't faithful. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 22. I want you to see it with your, with your own mouth. And he said to him out of his own mouth, I will judge you. What's it say? You, what's it? Only one person said it. Is everybody on verse 22, Luke 19? Say amen. amen. And he said to them out of your own mouth, I will judge you. You, you wicked servant. Why was he wicked? Because he was unfaithful to the mandate. That's what Jesus says. Prior to the palms. That the church member, the disciple, who doesn't seek to faithfully live on mission and invest the gospel in other ones' lives, Jesus says, you're wicked. Why? Because the book of James says, to him who doth do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To not live on mission, friend, it's not a choice. It's not for the advanced. It's for all people. It's a mandate on the life of everyone. And prior to the palms... He he reviewed that. He tried to share with us. And so what does the Bible say about that third person that didn't do anything? Well, they're going to have a reward as well. That is, they're going to have nothing. They're not going to lose their salvation, but they have no reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul tried to tell a very misfocused, misguided church. Again, listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Jesus says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones... That's the word of God. But also tries to tie to it wood, hay, and straw. Those are earthly things. He said one day at the judgment seat of Christ, that's where it'll take place, each one's work will become clear because there'll be a judging fire. For the day will declare it. He says because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Literally translate what quality it is. Was it faithful or was it unfaithful? And Paul says, if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive reward. That is, if, 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 if the person was faithful to the mandate, says that will stand the test of the fire. But listen to verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, that is, they, they used their life for themselves. They fit in Jesus where it was convenient. If they kept the gospel hid away in their heart, you know, their, their Bible under the emergency brake in the center console. You know, it's kept, you know, we're, I'm a person of the word. Person of the word. But if they never shared the word. The Bible says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will save yet so as by fire. And so, they, you, listen, that person used their whole life to accumulate all the world's treasures, whatever treasure is to them, but none of it they took, and it all burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. And guess what they've got in heaven? Zilch. I didn't say that, friend. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. This is there's going to be a day when Christ is going to examine your life of ministry, whether you're faithful or unfaithful, 
faithfulness, there'll be much reward. Unfaithfulness, no reward. Saved, yes, but only so as by fire. What's that mean? You made it in by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. You'll have nothing. That's what the Bible says. And so, friend, that's, that's a place this morning to stop and look and say, not loss of salvation, but loss of reward. There's a man by the name of Charles Carroll Luther. He heard about a, a man who late in his life had got saved. And thank God he had gotten saved. But he was saved on his deathbed. He told a friend, says, I'm so thankful that God has saved me. He said, but must I go empty-handed? And it was from that, that thought that Luther wrote the song that many of us have heard, must I go empty-handed? Must I grieve my Savior so? Not one soul of which to bring him. Must I empty-handed go? Oh, the years and sin I've wasted. But I, but I recall them now. Because I would give them to my Savior. At his feet I'd humbly bow. Friend, no matter what's in the past, it's in the past. You look at me this morning. If you have not been faithfully living on mission and using the resources and the life with which God has given you to be faithful to the mandate, you start today. You get serious about the Great Commission. Listen to me, my friend. The answer to the problems in this country, it's not a new president. It's not a new ruling party in Congress. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has called us to be the hands and the feet to share that. Third, I close with this this morning. I want you to notice not only his mandate, but also now his mastery refused. His mastery refused. We see his mission reviewed, his mandate revealed, and third, we close with this, his mastery refused. Well, the Bible says in verse number 12, he says, the king says, I'm going to receive a kingdom unto myself, this nobleman into a, a far country. And that's exactly... What he, what he went to do, but the Bible says in verse number 14 that the citizens of that kingdom, they hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Well, notice what the Bible says at the conclusion of this, this parable in verse number 27. He says, after he had shared the mandate and he's reviewed faithfulness and unfaithfulness, he's rewarded these servants, now he says, hey, I haven't forgotten about my enemies. Well, who are the enemies? It's all the people who would not submit to his lordship over their kingdom. Well, remember, stay with me. Listen. Parables are earthly stories that have heavenly truth. Jesus is still the king of this story. And all those individuals, friend, who would not receive him to be king of their community are the lost who will not bow their knee to receive him as king over their life. And Jesus teaches the truth here. He says, bring all those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them. Oh, listen. He knew, looking ahead, they wanted them to make their community better, to give them political freedom, because that's what they're shouting about on Palm Sunday, but they didn't want them to be king of their lives. He says, bring all those individuals. Look at your Bibles, verse 27. We're about to go to the invitation. Stay with me. This is the most important part of the service. Look at verse 27. He says, and slay them before me. See, we live in a country, like, well, I mean, listen, we live in a country where there is you know, religious freedom, and thank God for it. The government can't tell us what to believe or how to believe, at least not right now. Right. 
That's how our founding fathers set it up. Friend, listen, no one's won to the kingdom of God by putting a sword to their throat. You won by free will choice. As the Spirit of God convicts of sin, righteousness, judgment to come, draws one to salvation, they have to choose to turn and trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. But if they refuse, friend, the penalty is an eternal death in a place called hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Christ loves and Christ came to save. But one of these days, friend, the Bible teaches Revelation chapter 20, he will sit as a righteous judge on a great white throne. And the Bible says all those names who are not found in the Lamb's book of life, it's all those who would not repent and submit their life to his lordship, they'll be cast, the Bible says, into a place called Gehenna where they will burn eternally in a place called hell. Why did this happen? Because they refused his lordship. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse number 11, he came into his own, and his own received him not. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, and in verse number 5, Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. It's by his stripes we are healed. Verse number 3 says, he is despised and rejected by men. Even though he came and suffered all that, the Bible says he, he was despised and he was rejected by who? By the Jews. The people still rejecting today. I'm here to tell you, friend, today, I don't care what you've heard some Calvinist teacher teaching on gospel radio. If you die and go to hell, it's not because Jesus didn't choose you. It's because you won't repent and receive him to be Lord of your life. He died on the cross for you. He suffered the agony, the shame of the cross, that you might be saved. You've got a choice to make. It's interesting. Now, don't miss this. Luke 19, 38. Look at your Bibles. I don't want to get ahead if this is a text Brother Ray might use, but I just want to say this. Listen. There he is, Jesus, coming in Jerusalem. And listen, the people, man, they're clapping their hands. They're all excited. Nobody had to get them excited. They're all excited saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I mean, they are, whoo, Psalm 118, 26, they are, they are shouting it out. They're so enthused. He's like, man, I would, you'll never believe what happened in town. Everybody got saved. Really? I mean, everybody. Best song service I've been a part of. Hail him, hail him, hail him. Boy, they are so excited. But listen, Luke chapter 23 and verse 21. Hail him, hail him, turn to nail him, nail him. They were merely infatuated. They didn't want him to be Lord of their life. And the penalty for that, friend, is an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's why Jesus cried when he looked at Jerusalem. He knew the peace spiritually that could be theirs. They didn't want it. Every person who's ever lived, friend, ever will live, is going to have this choice. And you're here this morning. If you've never been saved, I want you to look at me and listen to me. You're going to make a choice with what you do with Jesus Christ. You will crown him. Listen to me. You will crown him as king of your life, or you will crucify him afresh and anew because you reject him. But the choice is yours. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. It's what Easter's all about. Listen to me. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you repented and by faith you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life? Not emotionally like they did on that Palm Sunday, but I mean, have you ever come to a place, friend, 
in brokenness and humility where you chose to turn from your sin and to trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. You've never done that, friend. He loves you. He died in your place. He wants to save you. But you must turn from sin and you must receive him. Tell him so right now in the simple prayer of faith. The Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means you. Call on him right now in brokenness and humility as you repent and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. And tell him so just like this. Silently where you sit, God forgive me of my sin. I turn from it today. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I trust him to be Lord of my life. Now God... Take me and make me into the man or woman that you want me to be. And I'll follow you. And I'll be faithful to your word as I learn it. If that was your decision today, I'm going to invite you to make your way forward in just a moment. When they begin to sing, we're going to stand our feet in just a moment. As they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to step out in one of these aisles. If you prayed that prayer and you trusted Christ today to be Lord of your life. And I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next. Child of God, listen to me. Satan doesn't want you to hear this, but I want you to wake up and I want you to listen to me. If you were standing at the judgment seat of Christ today, what would you have left on the altar after the fire? What would be there before? All the things that you've chased that have no eternal consequence? All the things you've wasted the finances on that God gave you so that you could serve Him? All the time you've wasted going and doing and following and living for yourself in the world and not for Him? Or would there be just lump after lump of faithfulness, moment after moment of opportunity that you seize for the glory of God to be faithful in Great Commission living and be faithful to His mandate? If that answer is embarrassing today, then ask Christ to forgive you Let this be a new beginning and resubmission to his lordship and his mandate on your life to invest the gospel in the lives of others. Father, I pray you'll speak to your church. And God, I pray if there's unfaithfulness found in someone's life, that God, they'll have a new beginning today of commitment to you and to the great commission that you've called us to be faithful in. God, I pray for those who are being faithful. I pray we'll be reminded that your word says, let him that stand take heed lest he fall. At any moment, we could yield to Satan's call to take our eyes off of you and what you've called us to do. I pray we won't do that. We'll choose to finish well and to faithfully and gratefully lay at your feet a life exhausted investing the gospel in the hearts and lives of others. Bless this time, God. Your will be done in hearts and lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are back.